Welcome to a new season within For the Thirsty Soul. Uh, we are going to start a season based on the Bible. I know that sounds funny, but the purpose behind this season, season six, is going to be on what is the Bible? What what are the different things that it claims? Um, and the first thing we have to wrestle with is what is revelation? Now, I'm not talking about the book of Revelation in the Bible, but the concept of God revealing himself to us. This claims that God wants to know, wants us to know who he is and provides ways for us to arrive to that. And he gives that through knowledge. Um, he's willing to unveil part of who he is and his plans for us in order that we may know he exists and that he desires to be with his creatures. Now, this is one of the most important doctrines that there are in the Bible. Now, why? Because we base everything we know about God, salvation, prophecy, and Jesus on the Bible. If the Bible is false, then none of the other concepts are trustworthy. All right, so <clears throat> one of the first types that we're going to talk about is general revelation. And it's called general revelation because of its nature. It's all around us in different forms. They're simply glimpses that are provided to everyone at all times, and they point to who he is as God. So the first one of the general revelation is creation in general. The world, the world around us has the fingerprints of God all over the place. And the Bible talks about that in Genesis 1, uh, chapters 1 through 3, and Job chapters 38 through 41, just a couple of passages. We can see order built into the cosmos. We see the seasons, the cycles of rain and sunlight. We see the instincts and the animals, and, and there's many other things. And each of these aspects display a careful and caring creator. And yet another passage is Psalm 104, verses 10 through 30. The Bible tells us that all of creation screams out the glory of God. They scream out his praise. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And there are several other passages. We see Psalm 19 verses 2 through 6. Psalm 104. Acts chapter 14 verse 17. Also chapter 17 and verses 24 through 28 of Acts. Romans 1.20. Creation has this sense that it is taken care of or monitored by a higher being. Matthew 6, 26 through 30. As we dig deeper, we see beauty, complexity, and design in creation all pointing back to a master creator. Even people that um, don't believe that God created things admit that there's an appearance of design. Creation shows us that God is powerful, glorious, divine. He's exceedingly intelligent and wise, as well as good. <laughs> you, I'm sure you could even think of other characteristics. This general revelation is limited in its demonstration in that it only shows us that there is a higher being that created, that brought order, that brought the sense of fine-tuning to everything around us. Now, it doesn't tell us very much specific about his character. Another general revelation is the conscience. Every person inside, innately, in the beginning, knows murder is wrong, as an example. 
it comes in our hearts and minds. There is an underlying sense of should or ought. Uh, to be clear, this internal compass can be distorted. So that was can. I didn't include not. Um, it can be distorted. It can be perverted. Um, but the fact that it is present can only be rightly attributed to God. The Bible also claims that all people know they are guilty before God. Romans 2, 14-15 says, Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them, and at other times even defending them. This is basically saying we act similar to the law, even if we don't know it, because of our consciences. Romans 3.19 also mentions that this conscience is enough to know that we are not good, much less perfect. We are constantly doing bad and sin against God and against others. There's a couple others, <clears throat> a couple other forms of general revelation. They're worth mentioning. So we can see that these again point us to a God that's in control. The first <clears throat> is the nation of Israel. And quite frankly, it basically shouldn't exist. It's been persecuted time and time again. There have been attempts made to wipe it off the map. Several different empires have tried that. And yet, Israel still exists. Not only does it still exist, but it does so with a survival of its language, culture, and various other things. This points us to something special about this small nation. Another form of general revelation is reason, the fact that we're able to talk about these things logically. Some would say that since we have reason, this points to a higher being that provided that reason, since no other creature has the capacity to reason like humans do. Uh, yet another one is an awareness of eternity. Now, since ancient times, people have known that life doesn't end here. Try to imagine yourself not existing. I can't. It might be a lack of imagination, but maybe it's too much imagination? I don't know. Ecclesiastes 3.11 mentions that eternity was placed in the heart of every person. Also, we have, um, this is the last one we're going to talk about of the general revelation. It's pre-programmed knowledge. And uh, Romans 1.19 through 21 I'm sorry, Romans chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, seems to indicate that everyone has a working knowledge that God exists. This has been found in several studies that knowledge of God is actually within children and needs to be extracted from them. With adults, the word or the Bible would claim that they suppress the truth. It says that in Romans 1.18. Now, one of the big questions we won't get very deep into it in, in this study. We'll get more into it in evangelism. But is this enough? Like, is this general revelation? We haven't talked specifically about the Bible yet. Is this enough knowledge to know God and come to salvation? Uh, it's an incredibly condensed version, but we can give a small answer. Basically, we can say God is just. He is holy. Um, and so, meaning he is just in that he judges perfectly good and bad, and he is holy in the sense that he is morally perfect. 
Now, mankind is not innocent. We deserve condemnation. So that's the second point. The third point is general revelation generally does not save, but it can and does point us in the right direction. So it can point us to a God. And if we truly seek after God, the Bible indicates pretty strongly that he will provide a way. And Jesus is that way to salvation. We see that Romans 10, 9 through 10. All right. So <clears throat> that's a basic overview of general revelation. Now, special revelation is the next thing we're going to talk about. And that is talking more specifically about how God reaches out very definitely and says, this is how I'm speaking to you. So how would God speak to all of mankind? He would probably have it be unchanging. That's what he claims to be. It would need to be transcultural and it would need to be able to go through many generations. Well, the most reliable method would be through a written record that would be accessible to many people. It would be clear, it would be permanent, and it grants an opportunity for repeated instruction. There is a particular way God steps into history and reveals himself, and that is what we call special, in that God himself was involved in bringing about the outcome of his message, his specific message, and that is the Bible. The Bible is God's timeless communication to his creation. The Bible is the special revelation. Okay, what's special about it? Well, it makes a lot of different claims. So the first claim is that it's unified. And by that, we just mean one central message throughout, internally consistent. It also claims to be inspired. It itself says, I am God's word to you. This is God's message with God and man co-authoring, God working through the words of man. It also claims to be plenary, and plenary is just a fancy way of saying whole and complete. It also claims that it is preserved. His word has remained unchanged. It promises that it will stay unchanged for eternity. It also claims to be inerrant, which is another fancy word meaning without any error in everything that it says. It also claims infallible. Um, that means that it's unable to lead to error, that it is correct in what it affirms. It also claims to be sufficient, that it's everything that we need to live this life in a way to glorify God. And it claims that it is authoritative. That means over all else in this world. So that's quite a few claims. Do they hold up to scrutiny? Does this cumulative case for the Bible hold up? 